symptoms are like the smoke alarm. So they're really just an adaptation to the environment. So the smoke alarm is going off because there's a fire. Like the symptom is happening because something's off in your body. It's responding to something in the environment. So we have an option. Um, we can go take the batteries out of the smoke detector so we don't have to hear it. Or we can actually go put out the fire. So that's my job is to find the fire and put out the fire. And then we can still take the batteries out of the smoke detector because it's way more comfortable to put out a fire when it's not beeping at you. But if the fire is urgent, you put out the fire first. Welcome to the Full Out Podcast, where you'll get tools, tips, and inspiration to start living your most passionate, expansive, and abundant life. I'm your host, Samantha Jo Harvey, professional dancer and group fitness trainer turned lifestyle entrepreneur, speaker, and women's empowerment coach. It is my mission to help women live their lives full out. No more surviving your days, playing small, or marking your way through life. It's time to let go of your blocks, step into your power, and own that you are worthy of having everything you want in your life, business, and relationships. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey girl, hey, it's Sam, and welcome back to the Full Out Podcast, OMG. Today's interview is fire. I interviewed Dr. Catherine Zagoni, who is just mind-blowing. She combines the mind of a doctor and the heart of a healer to serve couples and women in their journey to conceive their healthiest baby and build the family of their dreams. After witnessing family members struggle with infertility for years, she felt compelled to find solutions for her patients in similar agonizing situations. She empowers clients to create their healthiest lives to conceive and to create their healthiest child possible. Her holistic approach provides a nurturing experience while addressing medical, functional, environmental, emotional, and energetic causes of fertility struggles or fertility preparation. And you're going to hear about all of that today. We don't even, we like scratch the tip of the iceberg for real. I'm just mind blown. We hit topics like synthetic birth control. Should you freeze your eggs? How to, how to prep the body to conceive. And you guys, for real, I like, let's be real. I am single AF. I am not planning on conceiving anytime soon, but Hey, I'm totally open and looking for a man. Um, but I'm still super intrigued by all of the advice that she gives because I want to have my healthiest body, let alone be ready when the time comes to conceive. So this is an incredible episode to share with your friends who plan to conceive, who want to conceive, who are even having trouble with fertility. She is full of knowledge and you're going to love her and her incredible journey. She gets really vulnerable and honest with us about her journey. And I just know you are going to love this. Make sure that you take a screenshot, you share it, and you leave a review. So before we jump in, I'm going to share the review of the week. This is from Court Ellis. She says, love everything about this podcast. Sam is a real Sam is real, not a real. Sam is real and doesn't try to make it sound like life is perfect all the time, but also gives great advice on how to kick yourself back into gear quick when things aren't perfect. Great motivator and love how genuine and authentic she is. Court Ellis, thank you, boo-boo. I appreciate you. Send us an email at sam at samanthajoharvey.com to grab your Amazon gift card as a thank you for leaving a review. We still have our goal of getting 20 three more reviews by the end of the year. So please ask your girlfriends to do it. Earn the chance to win an Amazon gift card. And with that, 
get ready to dive into this amazing interview. Dr. Catherine Zagoni, OMG, I'm so excited that you are here. I'm so excited that you're in my life, but I'm even more excited to bring you to all of the women that listen to this podcast because I know that you are just a wealth of knowledge, but not only that, you're also an incredible healer. And so I think just our time together is going to be so valuable. Thank you so much for being on today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for this. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So can you just give us a background of who you are, where you come from, what is a naturopath, and just give us like the, the cliff notes version of your amazing journey in life to where you are now. Sure. Cliff notes version. Got it. Um, so I, I joke that I was born into natural medicine. I was born at home, breastfed till I was four. My mom says that's why I'm so smart and a doctor. Um, <laughs> grew up very naturally. Solutions to everything were vitamin C and probiotics. Um, we rarely went to the doctor. In high school, my mom got very ill. She was diagnosed with chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis. Um, we also didn't know how sick she was because she didn't, at least I didn't, she didn't tell us. She didn't tell me. So she would stay in bed all day so that she could be up and making dinner and doing things when we would get home from work and school. And so I eventually found out she was very ill. She was bedridden for about six months, was losing her hair, was on chemotherapy, steroids, steroid injections into her eyes. Like had I known what all that meant at the time, I would have been way more terrified, but you know, I was a 17 year old girl, um, and was a terrible teenager to her. So sorry, mom, um, we're working through that. But, uh, I watched my mom basically choose natural medicine and she thought it, you know, after having tried conventional, because that's what it's there for when you're really sick, right? Not quite. Um, and so she found a, a natural practitioner, a chiropractor in the city of Chicago and would drive in twice a week. And within six months of seeing him was about 80% better. And so I watched my mom completely reclaim her life um, through super simple stuff and get off of all of her medications. And to this day, she's still, I say she's like 95% unless she has too much wine, too much sugar, or too much mother-in-law, very real things. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I got to watch her, her healing journey. And that really inspired me to become not just a doctor, but a naturopathic doctor. I thought I was going to go to MD school. I took the MCATs, scored very well, um, graduated uh, top of my class. So I, I could have, um, but every time I went to finish that application, I would burst into tears and my spirit was just like, no, that's not the thing. And so I found naturopathic medicine and knew in my heart, like I just knew there was that deep, deep knowing, which I love when that happens. And so I went that route. Um, and then how I got from there to women's health and fertility, um, you know, the birth, the birth thing was always in the family, the birthing, the breastfeeding, you know, my mom was a lactation consultant. So this was like part of my, my life as well. And I thought I wanted to be a midwife, realized I don't really like staying up all night, um, you know, and in some scenarios, but, uh, and I also, when I was in college had lived with my aunt and uncle who I got to watch their fertility journey. Um, and they had seven years of struggle and, and now have three beautiful little girls. Thank heavens. Um, but watching that and then going into naturopathic medical school and, and seeing like, okay, why, why do women struggle? Like, why do, why do we have painful periods? Why do, you know, what are all the pieces that play into this? Because fertility really is a byproduct of health. So theoretically we just need to get healthy enough and the baby should just happen on its own. And that's mostly true. And there's a few pieces 
that can be off in that health picture um, that we don't always see as well. So I got to really become a detective, a fertility detective, um, and figure out, uh, you know, what it would take to not just get couples pregnant, but realizing with all the new research that's coming out, um, all it's called epigenetics, the science of how our genes are expressed. We can get all sciencey if you want. Um, that we can actually set our babies up for life with their health. So everything that mom and dad eat, drink, breathe, touch, think, and feel four months before they conceive that baby uh, sets that baby's constitution, health predispositions, disease predispositions, sometimes personality predispositions up for their entire life. Um, and every, not everything's changeable, but you know, these things can change, but if we can, um, you know, do everything we can to prepare. It's kind of like putting in the, you know, if you could put a hundred dollars in, in a bank account right now and know that your child would be taken care of financially for life, maybe, you know, th life happens, but, but have that security fund. That's kind of like what we're doing for these babies with, with their health and their families. So that research was just, it lights me up. Like every day I'm like finding new journal articles on epigenetics and all the fun stuff. So it's, it's, it's been in the, I was born into it. It's part of my soul. I joke that I work for the super babies. They just like send me their, they send me who they want to come into and we're like, okay, let's do this. So that's how I'm, and, and part of that, part of my journey has also been um, running this, I'm right now I'm in my clinic, uh, Genterra Center for Regenerative Medicine in LA. And this has been part of my journey as well. And it's, and now I can see why, because I'm really getting to see how these regenerative therapies, which are just beyond naturopathic medicine, um, still using the body's own healing mechanisms, but like next level cutting edge science and how this now applies to the fertility world. So I feel like I really get to bring the science the nature and the spirit together in one complete experience for my clients. Holy crap. I already feel like my mind is blown. Like, <laughs> I mean, this is going to be so amazing. Okay. So one thing that I love that you said was that four, okay, four months before, not only is it what the parents are eating, drinking, touching, smelling, but you said what they're thinking and feeling like that is the thing that I, I think that we are missing. Like, I think we generally as a society, we know, okay, what we eat is going to affect our body. What we're, you know, the chemicals that we're putting on and into our bodies, it's going to affect us. And then if we are conceiving, we, it's going to affect that baby. But the think and feel like the whole emotional aspect is of course, what I am so into. And that's been part of my massive personal growth journey. But can you talk a little bit more about this thinking and feeling? And is that, I mean, is that one of the keys to fertility? Like I'm totally just jumping ahead and, and questioning this. Can you talk more about the think and feel? Absolutely. I think, <laughs> I think, and I feel that um, they are probably the two most important parts. And for a few reasons, one, the body is a faithful puppy dog to the mind. And that's the conscious and the subconscious mind. So whatever we are telling the body, whether we know it or not, that's what the body's going to do. And this comes into play in a few ways with fertility. So let's talk about sex first, because why not? It's fun. Um, if, if the mama to be, almost to be, um, doesn't feel safe, whether it's from trauma or whether it's from the connection with her partner is off in some way, whether it's just that situation or whether it's the whole relationship, the feeling, feeling, not feeling safe in the body. How do I, how do I explain the science behind this? So biologically, we want to produce offspring and we want those offspring to live and succeed and produce more offspring. So we're genetically programmed to procreate, as we know. Um, 
if our body doesn't feel safe, that's information from the environment that the environment isn't safe, right? So it's our perception, but the signal it's sending to our hormones, our uterus, the eggs and the ovaries is that it's not safe out there. So we shouldn't make a baby because that baby probably won't survive if we don't feel, if it's, if it's not safe. And that's similar with food. Like if there, if we do too much fasting or we're, you know, too, too few calories for too long or, um, you know, too much exercise to calorie ratio, all of that sort of thing, we can, uh, the body doesn't think there's enough food out there. And so we, it can make it harder to get pregnant. And that's, that's been proven that women who might be considered underweight have a harder, can have a harder time getting pregnant. And it has to do with, with a food scarcity perception in the environment. Um, so going back to the think and feel, uh, so the body is a faithful puppy dog to the mind. Um, so there's the sex piece there, but that also our perception of our entire reality also plays into that safety piece. So one of my favorite cases to talk about, um, they were, you know, one of my first kind of round of couples and for her, um, in one of our mind body sessions, we uncovered that her brothers, when she was five years old, her brothers took her out to the woods and left her there. (laughs) Yeah. Poor thing. And, um, and so there was this intense fear of abandonment. So we had actually named the fear of abandonment first, took it back to what created that fear of abandonment, and then realized that her husband as a Marine who's going out on tours is in her system. That's re-triggering this, um, the, the, the abandonment piece. So what we went in and did is actually cleared that initial memory um, unwound the, the thread, you know, through her system. And they were actually pregnant. I think the next cycle, like one or two cycles after that. And I also had not even gotten their labs back at that point to review. We had started right in with the mind body work. And, um, and I remember seeing their labs and being like, Hmm, I thought this would have taken a little more work, but okay, (laughs) here we go. So yeah. Wow. That is absolutely incredible. My mind is blown. That's it's so wild. So is would you say that that is also related to like, I, I know a lot of women, um, especially, you know, female entrepreneurs and actually, you know what, I think it's every woman today suffers from burnout or is really susceptible to burnout. Is that something that also can affect that can affect fertility? Totally. Um, in fact, that's a huge piece because that's specific, very specific to our adrenal glands can also play into the thyroid gland. Um, and, and I'm like, do we go Chinese medicine? Do we go naturopathic medicine? Which route do we go on this? Um, The biochemistry of it is that when when we have like that physical burnout and we can call it, let's call it adrenal fatigue, but it could be a whole host of symptoms uh, of symptomology in in different systems. But um, that is actually throwing off the the thyroid, the the hypothalamus, the pituitary, the way everything signals is this beautiful symphony. And so again, when we burn out those adrenals, on the basic level, it's a sense of like, it's not safe out there, (laughs) you know? Um, And we don't have enough resources to procreate. We need enough energy in our body. We need enough nutrients in our body. We need, um, you know, it takes a lot of energy to build a human. So if we're already depleted energetically or physically, the body is not going to, like fertility is optional. Like the body is going to do whatever it can to survive first. So if you're in survival mode in the mind or in the body or both, it's going to make it much more challenging to get pregnant. And sometimes the percep- sometimes that is in the perception. Sometimes it's in the physical, um, you know, so like if you are literally working 16 hour days, that's the problem. Now, why are you working those 16 hour days? That's also the problem, but <laughs> we go there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so 
So even if someone is like, I'm not ready to conceive right now, but I want to just feel better in my body. How do they physically and emotionally protect themselves from burnout in your, from your expertise? So like somebody who's not quite at burnout yet, but doesn't want to get there. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, the first step is awareness. So take inventory of what, what, what's happening in your life. So what are you feeling on a daily basis? Like what's your energy level throughout the day? What's your sleep like? So th- these are a good gauge of what's happening in your nervous system. Um, and your nervous system is, is one of the, pla- one of the places burnout happens. So first step awareness and inventory. And then two, I mean, and this is easy for me to say as the doctor, but two is figure out what needs to shift. So, um, you know, are you, like the way I would approach it is I would do a full workup and we're like, okay, where's blood sugar? Where's thyroid? Where's all those things? But when you're looking at yourself, you, one, you know yourself. So, you know, when you, you know, when you're feeling good, you know, when you're not feeling good, you probably have some idea of what works for you. And so a lot of this is a matter of being honest about what you know you should be doing or not doing, and then actually doing it. So that could be turning screens off two hours before bed and making sure you get a good night's sleep. Um, Cause there's so much with the light and the hormones and, and sleep itself that, that all plays into burnout, not burnout, fertility, whatever. And sleep, this is the thing where I'm like, if my patients aren't sleeping well, we, we almost always handle that first because it's so hard for the body to heal if you're not getting good quality and enough hours of sleep. So that, that would hours. Be- What's enough hours? I got to know. It's a little different for everybody, but I think seven to eight is like that sweet spot. Um, I'm, I'm, I used to be a nine hour kind of girl. Now I'm a six hour kind of girl. I literally, I just feel like there's it's just the last two weeks. So I feel like there's so much energy <laughs> moving through me. I just want to like save the world every moment um, and create, like, I, I'm happy. I'm not tired. I like wake up on my own, but anyway, working on my own health journey. Um, but, uh, and I, and I have my lovely high powered attorney mama who, um, you know, is upset if she requires more than four and a half hours of sleep. So I would say that's not enough, but you know, really I'll be honest about what your body needs. Um, and sleep I think is, is a great place to start. So, um, pitch black bedroom, pitch, pitch black bedroom, no screens, two hours before bed. If you have to do screens, get the super, like the, they're the true dark, the super fancy, blue blocking, red light glasses, um, phone on airplane mode. And if you want extra credit, turn off all the electronics. So unplug everything, turn off the Wi-Fi. I mean, you're still going to be like bombarded by neighbors if you live in a high rise or dense area in LA, but at least it's a little less right by you. Uh, and 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 it, it can help. Um, more sensitive people will feel more of a difference, but I would say give it at least, a, at least two weeks. Um, and if you're doing all of those things, I promise you, you will notice a difference if there's not some underlying pathology going on that needs to be addressed, which sometimes is the case. But for most people, that's enough to, to help a shift. Um, I feel like we all need to do like a sleep challenge right now just to yeah. see, like, let's Will see you like need everyone. It? I'm like, I need, to, I need to do this on my Instagram, get everyone to start feeling more amazing by focusing on their sleep. Do you think that some of these like physical manifestations that are happening in the body are symptoms of emotional trauma that we haven't dealt with? Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> um, in my, I'm very big on the emotional component. I did extra training just in the emotional component. And I think there's always an emotional component. Sometimes that's an emotional cause. I think a lot of times there's an emotional cause. 
And that could be, so the, so like the way I, I, I see it when I'm in my mind at the moment, um, is that like, let's say, let, let's take a childhood pattern, for example, like every time, um, my dad raises his voice, like I get triggered. And now I'm in a job where my, my boss raises his voice and that's creating this intense stress for me. So he might not be raising his voice because he's angry or he might be. Um, and it's like, I could, you know, I could stay in the job and feel all that stress and that could lead to burnout. Um, or I could ask him not to raise his voice. Who knows if that'll work, <laughs> but it really, it's my responsibility to figure out, you know, sometimes the trigger is legitimate and sometimes the trigger, it, I mean, the experience is always legitimate. Let me say that. Um, but the, you know, I can then go back and say, okay, I realize I'm actually getting triggered because my dad used to yell at me. And so I'm like projecting my dad onto my boss and this is creating this heightened stress experience, which is then burning me out. Um, so I can then go back and work through the dad stuff, which is usually more than one session, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> just the reality of the healing world. Um, but I, but it's possible because I'm, I'm doing it and I'm feeling the difference. So I know that it, this is possible for everyone. Um, that then you can get to a point where like your boss can, can yell, scream, whatever. And there's no, like, not that there's no reaction, but like that there's no personal reaction in the nervous system. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And, um, and then for the, for the burnout in itself, it's like, what story, what emotional thing happened that you need, you like, you, you feel like you need to push so hard and save the world in order to be worthy. And that's why you're burning yourself out. So, um, I have a client who is literally trying to save the world. Um, my attorney client who works, who sleeps five hours or four and a half, um, and she had a very traumatic childhood and, uh, and now she's trying to save all the children. And so one of the things we're working on is like healing all the feelings that she didn't get to feel as a child to know that she's worthy enough so that she can focus on herself and take care of herself first. And that that will then actually transfer into what she really wants and be able to take care of, save all the children in a much more sustainable way. Um, so yeah, I think there's always an emotional component. Most of the time, I think there's the emotional cause and sometimes there are physical things. Like there are toxins in the environment. There are, there are, there is mold toxicity. There are nutrient deficiencies. Like I, sometimes I say you can't out meditate a B12 deficiency. So, I mean, it, and that's why we have to look at all the things. Like we can't just do the spiritual and energetic. We can, but it, and a lot of times we'll handle a big chunk, but if the piece is physical, we have to address it in the physical as well. And it, and it goes both ways. Like I've seen patients with mold toxicity where, or a parasite and it's like, okay, where's the parasitic energy in your life? Cause like on a spiritual level, you're, you're, you're attracting this experience of something feeding off of you. So you get to clear that pattern, whatever that is. And we actually need to kill off the, the bug. Like there's a, there's, there's a worm in your stool. Like we need to handle that. So, um, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. I think that's awesome. And so for, for women that want to step into that healing journey, where, where do they begin? Is there any, are there any practices that they can do on their own? Is this something that they need to work with someone with? Do you have suggestions on that? Ooh. Yeah. I feel like there's so many options out there right now. Like 
trusting yourself enough to choose what resonates with you. And I would recommend starting with some sort of guide, um, a group program, a coach, a just because when you get into this work on your own, it's so easy to, to bypass and to not actually go into the deep, dark, scary places, which is exactly where we need to go to do the deep healing. Um, so, so you need a, um, you need, you need a healing buddy, whatever that looks like, whatever that looks like for you. Um, yeah. Somebody who, who has had experience, who knows what they're doing. So not like a random buddy off the street, but I think you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, no, I have, have a guide. Have a guide. Have a guide. guide. <laughs> I, I think that, I think that some of my deepest healing has definitely, I, I've worked through things with a coach. I've worked through things with a therapist and it's, it's so important, I think, to have that support and to literally to have the guy that's like holding the flashlight. My friends in, in the Rockette world, when we were having a rough day at Rockettes, we would we'd be like, oh, I'm in the hole. Like I, I'm in the dark place. And we, someone would be like, I got the flashlight. I'm going to pull you out. Like, and so we literally would joke about how, who needs a flashlight today. And I think that that's so true. It's like, you're literally the, the guide is the flashlight. That's like, I know you're in the dark space right now, but I'm going to show you where it might start with a tiny, small flashlight, but we're going to finally get to that, like broken, open, bright, amazing space. But you know, let's be real. If we're actually experiencing all the human experiences, it's gonna, it's gonna be dark, it's gonna be light, it's gonna be that full expansive expression of, of feeling. And we can't expect it all to be good and easy. And I think sometimes maybe when we do expect it to be all good and easy, that's when those physical ailments come up, or that's when things manifest in our bodies, when we're like, what is going on here? And, and then we get to look, we get to look a little bit deeper. Absolutely. That reminds me, another fun little analogy I like to use is that symptoms are like the smoke alarm. So they're really just an adaptation to the environment. So the smoke alarm is going off because there's a fire. Like the symptom is happening because something's off in your body. It's responding to something in the environment. So we have an option. Um, we can go take the batteries out of the smoke detector so we don't have to hear it. Or we can actually go put out the fire. So that's my job is to find the fire and put out the fire. And... Um, and then we can still take the batteries out of the smoke detector because it's way more comfortable to put out a fire when it's not beeping at you. But if the fire is urgent, you put out the fire first. So anyway, um, <laughs> yes. I love that. I love that. And you know, that's just, do you feel like that's a, um, is that like a naturopath specific way to think about things? Because I feel like sometimes we go to like Western doctors and I'm not saying that they're bad, but I'm, I feel like a lot of times we go to Western doctors and they're like, here's a prescription. Let's just prescribe you something or let's like give you surgery, cut you open, do something as opposed to finding that root cause. And is that, is that the big difference, would you say between Western medicine or is that what it is? Western and naturopath or how would you, what's that delineation? Yeah. Yeah. So um, naturopathic and allopathic are technically like the two poles, but we typically think like conventional medicine and natural medicine um, and like the natural and holistic approach is this like find the root cause, treat the root cause. And the allopathic approach is, you know, the taking the batteries out of the smoke detector is the giving the medication, doing the surgery. And like I said, sometimes we need to do those things. Um, sometimes those are life-saving things, but like if you're having heartburn, and they're giving you a proton pump inhibitor or even a Tums, you're, you're like reliant on Tums. You're literally every day taking the, taking the batteries out of the smoke detector. And there's all these little fires, you know, burning up around your body. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love that analogy. That's amazing. 
That's amazing. Um, can we talk a little bit more about hormones? So we have a lot of questions from Instagram. I'm going to get like my notes over here and we have a bunch of questions. So I want to start with, um, the biggest, uh, the biggest one that I'm most interested in because I am a 34 year old single lady. Can you share your thoughts on freezing eggs? Do you think that that is something that is wise? Is that something that one should do, shouldn't do? Obviously it seems very invasive, but I would love to get your opinion on it. Yeah, this is, this is a fun topic um, because I wish I had a straightforward answer. Um, <laughs> I have helped um, a number of women freeze their eggs very successfully at different ages, um, early thirties and almost 40. And, um, it comes down to, uh, the words that want to come out are a sense of safety, like your insurance policy. Like this is like your insurance policy. And some people go through life without an insurance policy and they're just fine and everything is perfect. And some people go through life without an insurance policy and wish they had one. And some people pay a lot of money for insurance policies that they never use. Um, so I think it's a beautiful option that we have as women right now that we have the power to, to do that. I don't know. Cause I also have seen women who've gotten their eggs frozen and then ended up not needing them and got pregnant naturally. So <clears throat> there's a lot of pieces to consider. I think it's a good insurance policy. It is putting your body through a, a, a bit of strain and stress. You're putting synthetic hormones in, you're stimulating the ovaries. Um, so there are, there are some drawbacks in my opinion. And if you're only doing one cycle, I think that doing, if you have the right protocol to support you in prepping and through that process, that you can recover from it fully and, and not have any sort of long-term impact from it. Most of my clients who've gone through that process have said that the hormones do make them feel crazy. Um, and so we, we, work through some stuff beforehand. They have their plan during of what to do if they feel this, this, or that. And then we had extra mind body sessions. And then we do a full detox on the back end to make sure that all that synthetic hormone is out of their system, that their hypothalamus, pituitary, and ovaries are all talking to each other the way they need to. So I think done with, with the right intention and with the right preparation and container, it can be very successful and in a great way to have that insurance policy and that backup plan. Um, now, do we know necessarily the quality of those eggs? Theoretically, if you're younger, you're going to have higher quality eggs. So, um, but I, I honestly haven't seen enough women personally who've then used their frozen eggs to know what the outcomes end up being. Cause like I said, most of the women I know and ended up not needing their frozen eggs. So, um, I think it's a personal choice. I think you really have to feel into how important that insurance policy is for you. Um, and also realistically what your timeline looks like. So 34 and single is different than 38 and single. Um, and we like to, you know, in the fertility world, there's this big, I would call it a myth that like your fertility falls off a cliff at 40. And that's not necessarily true. And I know that because there's more and more research, epigenetic research, that we have what's called um, our biological age. And this biological age is actually based off of our epigenetics, how our how our DNA, DNA is expressed. And there's all sorts of new studies literally just in the last two weeks, some from before, but like more in the last two weeks, showing that this biological age is actually a better predictor of reproductive capacity than our age age. Um, yeah. How like do you yeah. How do you determine the biological age? 
it's a it's a it's a very simple test. It's no, it's not that simple, but it's a, simple to do. It's a finger prick. Um, it's a couple of drops of blood in a tube, and then we send it off. It takes about six weeks to come back, kind of like a twenty three and me. And then they give you that biological age, and they give you an aging um, an aging ratio. So like it might come back at like one point two, meaning you're aging one point two times faster than than time than you're supposed to be. <laughs> So, oh my gosh. <laughs> right. Right. So then, so that's when you really got to get that sleep in check and be like, Ugh. um, so, but, so what's beautiful about that is then you're, you're really only in a, uh, a race against yourself. So there's all sorts of things we know that can start turning back that biological clock. So on your next test, you could actually be, you could be younger than your first test. And then eventually you could even be younger than your age. So you can actually age backwards, um, biologically. That is so cool. That is so cool. Can you talk a little bit more about this aging, aging backwards biologically? Like how, how do you do that? Yeah, there's a handful of pieces that we know. And there's a handful of, this is where the regenerative medicine piece has like, oh, this is why I'm in LA doing this. Um, so there's a few things. There's uh, like, how crazy sciencey do we get? We're going to go there. We'll see. Um, why not? Let's try it. <laughs> so there's a, there's a type of therapy called senolytic therapy. And this is a therapy that helps um, get rid of what are called senescent uh, stem cells or senile stem cells. I call them senile, they're really senescent, but it's kind of the same thing um, that can help decrease your aging markers. And this is, there's a few different protocols out there for that. Um, some like short bursts of high dose specific supplements. And then there's also some medications that have been used. Um, so that's one piece is just getting rid of your old senile stem cells. Um, there's also supporting your own growth hormone production. So we know, so when people are given growth hormone, that's one of the things they've seen in trials to reverse this biological clock. But I'm not a fan of recommending people really go on growth hormone. Um, yeah, uh, although sometimes, sometimes it's necessary and helpful. But some of the things that we can do on our own is one, get that really good sleep because we make our growth hormone while we're sleeping. Um, and some of the other things that can help with that are not eating too close to bedtime. Um, yeah. Whoa. Hold on. My mind is blown here. What? Like I've heard that on like every, you know, so many diet myths and things are like, don't eat two hours before bed because you know, you're going to save whatever. And I am one of those people that like, if I, I'm hungry, when I go to bed, I can't sleep. Like I, and I don't know if that stems back to my bikini competition days where I was just always hungry. And like the feeling of feeling full helps me sleep. Like it, 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 I'm sure there's some emotional stuff in there, but that's a story for another day. But when you say not eating too close to bed, like give me more details on that. The perfectionist overachiever in me is like, now I need to know the answers. <laughs> yes. So two hours is, is like the standard, the minimum. Some people say after 7 PM, some people say after 8 PM, I think it kind of depends on what your, your circadian rhythm clock looks like. Um, but we do know that eating too close to bed, especially higher carb meals can affect sleep quality, which then affects growth hormone output. Wow. Okay. Okay. I'm going to start investigating this for me. I'm going to start thinking more about my sleep and turning everything off and also checking out what I'm eating and how close to bed that is. I'm so excited to do that. That's very yeah. Cool. One, one fun thing to do if, if you're like, if you consider yourself a biohacker, they have the aura ring, which tracks your sleep. So you can get a ring that you wear. Um, and it gives you like a full readout, like sleep report, like, Oh, yeah. I so want to get that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Super, super fun. Um, oh, that's so cool. That's so yeah. cool. Can we go back to the synthetic hormone question or talking about synthetic hormones? 
is birth control bad for you? Like my friends, most of my friends have been on birth control since we were 16 years old. We're in our mid thirties, our late thirties. Um, I've seen a lot of friends have issues conceiving. Is that, does that play into that? Is birth control bad for you? Can you speak on that? Absolutely. What I see in my practice is that women who are on hormonal birth control long-term do tend to have a harder time conceiving. Um, and a really good resource on this is Dr. Jolene Brighton's book, Beyond the Pill. Um, it's all about coming off of birth control and all the things. So I don't think there's a, is birth control good or bad? I think you have to make an informed decision and also know why you're being put on it. So if you're getting put on birth control to like shut down your hormones so that your PCOS doesn't get worse, then that's a management tool, but you're not actually handling the underlying issue. So as soon as you come off the birth control, you're still going to have that unless you do all the things to fix it while you're on the birth control, but you're still going to have whatever, whatever that first issue was that you got put on birth control for, and you're just going to have to deal with it now instead of 10 years before. So if there was a piece that could be, could affect your fertility, you really just didn't have to deal with it for 10 years. And now you have to deal with it. So that's not the birth control's fault. That's, you know, you just didn't handle the cause. Um, we do know that birth control itself can create some nutrient deficiencies. It can, it can predispose to some thyroid conditions. It can create a little bit of leaky gut. It can, um, I mean, it's basically shutting down most of your own hormone production. There's some interesting studies in Dr. Brighton's book about, um, women on birth control and pheromones and also their ability to choose a, not an accurate partner, but like women who, who women chose, like the type of men they chose really, really changed on whether they were on birth control or not. So I just recently was listening to a podcast or something where they were talking about this specifically. And it made me, it made me question. That's part of the reason I'm asking you this question is, yeah, I, it was like when they came off of the birth control, all of a sudden they did not like their partner. They had, they felt like they had chosen wrongly or I, it was so wild. Yep. Who knew? Yeah. That's so fascinating. So are you saying it's basically, it's a personal choice and to investigate and do your research and, and there's some definite risks to it. So mm -hmm. like, if you're going to choose it, make sure you're supported, make sure you've got, you know, exactly what nutrients you need to be taking, you know, make sure you're eating super clean. I mean, everybody should be doing these things anyway, but, um, you know, just take really good care of yourself. If you're choosing to use that method, I think there's other methods that work just as well or better and don't mess with your entire system. So definitely talk to your doctor about what you, the best option for you is. Um, but I have never been on, on birth control and I typically don't recommend to my patients. I typically don't recommend it to my patients. Usually we find other ways um, just because they don't want Like when I tell them what can happen, they don't want to have to deal with that. So we're like, okay, we'll just, we'll just be a little more careful over here. <laughs> that because, you know, I think about the way that I grew up and it was so, you know, you have a headache. Okay. We go to the doctor, you get medicine. Okay. You have, you have a sore throat. You go to the doctor, you get antibiotics. And, and I think that it just created all of these issues with my gut, with my body, with all these things from being on constant antibiotics and constant, you know, medication for a variety of things that I probably didn't need anything for. And then I, I when you talk about, you know, looking to see where your, your deficiencies are, what I find, even if with my like healthy living clients is that, you know, they'll, they'll do this program. And, and I think 90% of people experience 
some really amazing benefits and changes. But then there's that smaller percent that's like, you know, something's still not right. And I always tell them to go to a naturopath to do really good testing. And they're like, oh no, but I went to my, my regular doctor, quote unquote, and they, everything was fine. Everything was fine. They did the labs. And is, is it that naturopaths search for different, they do different testing? Is it that the testing is different? How, how come naturopaths find different things that the, the allopathic doctors don't necessarily find? It's a very different philosophy on testing. So in, in the conventional medical world, they're basically going to run the minimal amount of markers that insurance will cover to do like a general screening to make sure you're not going to die is how I describe it, <laughs> you know? Um, and as a naturopath or also functional medicine doctors, you know, so there are MDs who do practice this way, you know, our job is to be the detective. And so we have to really, in order to understand what's happening in the body, especially like, let's just take thyroid to understand what's happening in the thyroid. You can't test one marker, especially one marker that isn't actually a thyroid hormone. It's a brain hormone that talks to the thyroid. So, you know, they have these, these screening tests and a lot of it is based on efficiency and insurance and not necessarily what's in the best interest of the patient's highest expression of health and vitality. And so naturopaths and functional medicine docs are designed to optimize the entire system. And we need to do a lot of testing to do that. Some, some, some don't, some doctors use other techniques and methods to make sure that all your bases are covered, but whether, whatever methodology that we're using, I'm a big fan of the testing in addition to thorough intake and all the things, but whatever method we're, we're using, um, like, I think the more information, the better. So. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. 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 I kind of want to switch, uh, switch topics really fast. And I want to ask you more about your journey because I know that you experienced some relationships in your past that then led you to this, uh, like female embodiment. And can you speak on that journey? Because I think that it's really similar to my journey of, of being in the not healthiest relationship. And then like turning off all of my, uh, you know, I woke up one day being like, what is this life I'm living? I'm surviving. I'm stressed out. I'm depressed. What am I doing? And then like finding that in my own journey. But I would love for people to hear a little bit about your journey in, in becoming the truest expression of yourself and what that looked like. Awesome. Yes. I love, I love story time. Um, I could go on for hours. <laughs> so I was about halfway through medical school. I was in a very unhealthy relationship. It was, I would say verbally abusive and maybe a little emotionally abusive. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, being in naturopathic medical school, we have to, you know, physician heal thyself. So that's one of our, our tenets, physician heal thyself. So we were expected to do our own healing journey and to learn what it really took to heal. And, you know, I didn't think anything was wrong. I thought I was just unhappy. And I thought if I did everything right and perfect and said the right things to him and was able to do all of the medical school and work and be the perfect house girlfriend and all the things that he would be happy and we would be fine. And um, at some point I got to the point, I just got to the point where I was like, oh, I deserve to be happy for me. Okay. So I knew, so there was this click, but it still hadn't like downloaded into the 3D, you know? Um, and so I knew I needed therapy. I knew I needed support. And as I'm like thinking, oh, I need to like find a therapist. I actually find a group on for belly dance. And I was like, that's the thing. That is the thing that I need right now. So I went 
Uh, I think I was taking two classes a night, three or four nights a week at this little studio in Tempe, Arizona. It was down the street from school. And um, that what I, it was like a remembrance of my soul. It was like um, I've danced in lifetimes. This was like I could just feel the history of what belly dance was and like that this was a prayer to the divine for the women. This was a communion with the divine. This was the way we communed with through our womb space, with our womb space, with our physical vessel which is a divine vessel. Um, you know, one of my favorite uh, quotes is from a book called Revelations and it, it's about like Mary Magdalene and Jesus and their baby and all this, all this stuff. And I love that. Um, and it's, it says, you're a hundred percent human and a hundred percent divine a hundred percent of the time. Um, and so I could feel that divinity in my body. And that was this like, whoosh, like this is the divine feminine. This is the embodiment. And so I basically healed my way, danced my way through my healing journey um, and reclaimed my power, my spirit, my body. Um, I worked with a, my, actually my belly dancer, my belly dance teacher was a Dakini. And so, um, you know, one of the things I needed to reclaim was my sexuality. And so belly dance helped with that and the sensuality and the movement and, um, but I knew there was like a deeper piece I needed to go to. Cause when I got out of this relationship, I was convinced that I was stupid. I was ugly and nobody would ever love me. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so she gave me a few exercises to do that. Like, so the first exercise she ever gave me was to self eye gaze into the mirror. We've talked about this a little bit. Um, <laughs> and so I did it naked because why not? So I'm like sitting on my bathroom counter and I like turn the lights and I'm naked. I'm looking in my own eyes and I literally just burst into tears. And I just sat there and bawled my eyes out to feel the pain of my soul not getting to be expressed for so long. Um, and it was like that for like two weeks. Like it was just, it was like that for, for probably two weeks. And then eventually it started to shift into like, oh, I can see the magnificence of my soul and I can see the, all the amazingness. And now it's like, I check in with myself in the mirror. I'm like, I got you, girl. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> so that was one piece. Um, and then if we want to go down this route, then there, there was actually quite a bit of sexual work that I did for myself. Um, so working with this specific woman, she had me get a very specific shower head, which uh, I still have to this day. And, uh, and she told me, she's like, you get to masturbate every single day. It doesn't matter if you orgasm or not. It doesn't matter. There's not an end goal. You literally just get to be in the sensation of your body and work through whatever comes up for that. And so being raised Catholic, um, in the Midwest, uh, fairly conservative family, although I don't know how conservative I was born at home. My parents were kind of hippies, but, um, so one of the things that I remember is feeling like the sensations moving through my body and feeling like I was going to throw up, like feeling this intense nausea of like, I'm not going to have an orgasm. I'm going to vomit. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there was that experience. So, and that, that happened a few times too. And I really felt like I was clearing some like deep, deep, deep shame and guilt around sexuality and around pleasure. Um, and I know there's like past lifetime stuff that also was moving through with that. Um, and then there was also very, some, some very practical stuff I needed to work through with just being able to trust my body. Like I, I couldn't fully relax my pelvic floor cause I was convinced I would like fart or poop somehow like <laughs> during sex. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. 
So I had to like work through that one. So I like basically, like I was like in the tub with my shower head and I'm like, okay, if I poop in the tub, I poop in the tub. It's just what's going to happen right now. I did it. <laughs> I love but, you. But that was the magic of like trusting my body so much that if that's what happened, that would be okay. And working through like, like being able to, to be with whatever was, was happening and, and know that I had myself enough that I could handle it. Um, now I probably couldn't have handled it if that had happened with a partner, but you know, like this is why we do the things with ourselves and, and do the healing. And anyway, so I knew I didn't have to worry about that anymore. So, yes, um, I love this idea of trusting yourself like that, I think is such a huge, huge thing that I feel like it's a rite of passage for women. I mean, I feel like everyone I speak to that is open and has done some kind of work is like, yeah, there was the before where I didn't trust myself and I was either in a toxic relationship with a person or a relationship with a substance or um, in some some kind of um, you know experience that was like the before life where there was no connection to intuition. There was no trust in in themselves, whether it's their body, their soul, their being, their connection to source. And then there's the after. And I know that a lot of, of our listeners are kind of in that, like, can I trust myself? Can I not? Am I, what is this? I'm intrigued by it, but I haven't fully embodied it yet. Um, so I actually love that the eye gazing practice. I think that's an amazing place for people to start, which is, is incredible. And I think that it leads right into the self, the self-trust leads into the courage and the confidence. And that's what I love teaching on is that self-confidence and, and that power really owning the fact that we are magical, mystical, divine beings, and that we get to, we get to show up that way, regardless of the external, regardless of what the partner thinks, the kids, the job, the money that like, we get to show up in our full power. And so I, I feel like that your journey really lends itself to what I teach about and, and talk about and, and my own personal journey. So thank you for sharing that. I, I absolutely love it. You're very welcome. I've got lots more stories we can go into another day, but all yes. down that same pathway. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. So how do people, I know that you work with people in different ways. And I mean, before I even go there though, like I, I think that your journey is so awesome and thank you for sharing and being so honest about those, the emotional side, as well as your, you know, your career and all the things, cause you are like this overachiever, amazing woman, but you also have that healing side. And I really believe that as healers, we have to move through our own shit before we can really step into that role as a healer. Um, so I just want to honor and acknowledge you for all the work that you have done. Um, because I know that you are now blessing so many people when you get to work with them and share your journey and, and share your, your gifts. Um, so how do people work with you in this time? I, I know that you've got a bunch of things going on. Can you share with us? Yeah. So right now I'm really only taking new patients through my fertility practice. And so that is, um, there's two ways. So either I'll work with a couple who knows that they want to have their healthiest baby. Um, and they know they're ready to like put in the time and the energy and do the testing and, and really set their baby up for life, set their family up for life. And so we work on a one, one, one on two container there. Um, usually six months to a year, depending on where they are, what their goals are, what their health looks like. Um, and that's really fun. Cause I come to the house, we do a VIP day. It includes all, and, and, you know, here's another dichotomy with like what I do in conventional medicine. Like when you go to a doctor in the conventional medicine world, you see the doctor for 10 minutes and then you've got a nurse, a nurse practitioner, you've got all these medical assistants, everybody else is doing everything for you. I'm the only one who sees my patients. And I see my patients for every single visit. We spend 60 to 90 minutes together. Some, I mean, our VIP day is like six hours. We just can't get enough. 
Um, it's all fun. It, it's not overwhelming. Um, and, uh, and so I, we, we really opened this sacred container of preparing to expand the family and calling in that baby soul. Um, so that's a beautiful container. I love that container. And a lot of those couples end up keeping me on to be their doulas and be at the birth and welcome in that, that baby to the planet. Um, and then, and then I have a handful of couples where we're already on baby number two. So that's always good. Um, I have some couples who've come to me because they were struggling. Um, and then that's a similar container. And then I have some single women who will come to, for egg freezing or, um, or IVF on their own. Um, and I'm actually launching a group program in January. That is something I'm so excited about because it really gets to combine some of the most powerful things that I've seen for healing. So we, it's a combination of a, a concierge functional medicine package. So we do all the testing. You get a personalized fertility formula from me. Um, we have some one-on-one -on -one visits, but it's also combined with a women's healing circle. So we bring the power of the feminine together to really dive, dive deep and clear lineage blocks, epigenetic blocks, um, childhood blocks, not just to fertility, but for your hugest health and vitality, because fertility is just a byproduct of health. Um, and you are so worthy of feeling like the most amazing, magnificent, radiant mama on the planet. And the healthier you are, the healthier your pregnancy, easier, most of the time, easier the pregnancy, healthier baby. Um, and we get to set you up for success. And this is really designed more for women who want to conceive in the next one to two years so that we have the time to do a very thorough detox, to do all the testing and to really dive deep. Because I also feel like in this container, we get to heal for the collective. Um, and it, cause as we heal, our sisters heal and, and that ripples out. Um, and just the magic that's created in, in these sorts of circles, I can't, I can't speak to enough. Like, um, it's, it's, it's literal magic. Like I don't have a better term for it. It's literal magic. Um, and just the healing and the amazingness. So that is, we start one eleven January 11th, um, which is super magical. There's a radical healing retreat in the middle there where we get to really dive deep into the spiritual and integration and, um, so that's, that's like, I feel like I'm going to be blown away by the power of that container. <laughs> Girl, I'm like, I um, don't have a partner. I'm not preparing to conceive, but like, I want to now just so I can be a part of that. That sounds absolutely <laughs> incredible. So I'm, I'm going to call you in like a year or two or three or four when yeah. I'm ready for that, because that sounds so magical. Well, so I'm going to use that model for other niches. So we're, I'm going to, I'm going to do my, we're going to do the fertility, the private fertility collective from January to July. And then, um, we're probably, I'm going to do a different, um, focus. So I haven't figured out what it is yet, but the, this container that I'm creating, I call it spirit meets medicine. So we do all the science and all the spirit and everything in between, because you are, like I said, hundred percent human, hundred percent divine, hundred percent of the time. So um, there will be another container available later next year that will be more of like a general, not, I don't want to say general anti-aging, but it'll be, it'll be less fertility focused, still, still female focused. Um, but maybe it'll be like the ageless, the ageless for uh, ageless healing collective. I don't know. We'll come up with an, yes, but there like will be an opportunity. <laughs> I want like the radiance, the vitality, the, all yes. the things. Like, yes. Sign, sign me up. I'm in. Yeah. Eternally gorgeous, eternally radiant. Well, oh we'll my gosh, I love it. I love it. I yeah. love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, I just want to thank you. Before I finish with the final question, I I just want to thank you for how you show up. I'm so thankful that our pat our paths actually cross like 
two years ago, two or three years ago. And now we get to work together in another special container, which is really awesome. And I'm just so grateful that you are able to be on here. Can we talk really fast about what you have coming up this Friday, your webinar? Yes. Yes. So this Friday, yep. This Friday, free webinar, uh, the top three things, you know, you need to know right now to easily conceive your healthiest baby in one to two years. So this is some of the things you can start doing right now that you that will make a big impact. So we're already shifting that epigenetic expression to the healthiest possible. And that was something I actually forgot to mention when we were talking about like the mind, the, what you feel and what you think. So we talked to, I talked about that in the context of conception, but we also know that what you feel and think affects how your genes are expressed. And yeah, so like meditation, which is working with feelings and thoughts, every study on meditation shows that it up, turns up the good genes, turns down the bad genes. Yeah. Um, and so those, those changes in the gene expression do get passed down. So what you, that's how the, what you think and what you feel gets passed down to your baby and sets them up for success or personality disorders. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> just kidding. um so yeah, so this, this Friday, we're going to talk about a couple of things you can start right now. If you're wanting to call in baby in the next one to two years and a little bit more, more detail on you know, what testing you should be asking about. We're going to talk more about this biological age test. I'm going to talk more about the research on how to actually turn back the biological clock. Um, some thing, some of the secret places that toxins are hiding every day for us as women. Um, so there's tons of really good info. If you at any point want to have, a, you know, your superhero baby, your healthiest baby possible. Um, but especially if you're thinking about in the next one to two years, because now is the perfect time to get started because then you really have the time to clear the emotional, clear the spiritual, clear the physical and set that very clear intentional container to let this be the most beautiful experience for yourselves. That's awesome. I'm going to be on just cause I want to learn. I think it's just fascinating. So we'll put a link in the show notes for people to register um, and that's, this podcast comes out on Wednesday. So it is going to be in two days, this coming Friday, Black Friday. If you're listening to this at a later date, uh, we love you. And we'll still link up Dr. Z's stuff so you can see what she's up to whenever you decide to listen. Um, so where can people find you? What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Um, at Dr. Zagoni, D-R-Z-A-G-O-N-E on Instagram or um, www.theholisticfertilitymethod.com, which is like the longest website ever. Um, just <laughs> click the link. You don't have to type it in. Um, those are probably the two best places. Awesome. And so I always end the podcast on one final question and you as a belly dancer, you know, you know what dancing full out versus doing a mark means. So if someone were to ask you, Dr. Z, how do I live my life full out? What do you tell them? Trust yourself. Trust yourself, girl. Trust yourself. Thank you so much for joining me. If today's podcast inspired you in any way, we would love your support in spreading the word. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and let the other queens in your life know that they are also worthy of living life full out. If you want to continue the conversation, I'd love to connect with you on Instagram or Facebook at Samantha Joe Harvey. Have a fabulous day, and I'll see you next time.